0: I don't know about you, I've, I've always wondered, you know, uh, if, if there's uh, sometimes selfish motivation when people serve. I, I always wondered the, the motivation uh, behind when I see people serve. And uh, today we're going to be taking a look, continuing in our series World Upside Down, taking a look at the first church, and we're going to be taking a look at a passage to discuss the fact that we as Christians have a very, very strong good wholesome motivation as to why we serve and it's not just about ourselves as you just saw there today i hope you don't mind if i sit today and uh talk with you um am i cold from last week turned into something much worse and so uh hopefully you guys in the front row will be okay so anyway i hope you're uh don't mind if i do that today and if i don't do my normal uh hugs and handshakes today um if you have your bibles you can turn to acts chapter 3 as we're continuing in our series i'm very excited about this series and I know that uh, over the past few weeks, on Easter and uh, last week, a few of you have uh, prayed to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And in fact, um, I-, I meant to mention this last week. We had on Easter, we had sixty people um, who raised their hand. Isn't that incredible? That is awesome. And uh, I want to encourage you, if you're here today and you were one of those people who raised your hand, I want to encourage you to be at starting point. We start up on the 16th, which happens to be, let's see, tomorrow. So, uh, yeah, you can be here tomorrow. We're starting starting point, which is really, um, it's a class for those of you who are starting out in your faith journey or maybe you're still Curious about your faith journey, or maybe you're restarting or been hurt or harmed by the church. I want to encourage you to be at Starting Point. Got some great folks, some good friends of mine uh, who are going to be leading that class. Uh, I got the Smiths and the Kennys. And so I want to encourage you to be here starting tomorrow night. Uh, You can be here for that class. It's going to be great. Go ahead and sign up. You can uh, go online and sign up. Uh, You can register there uh, on our website. Richard Foster is one of my favorite authors. He wrote a book called Celebration of Discipline. I think it's a must read for. Uh, the Christ Follower, Celebration of Discipline, fantastic book, and he talks about the different disciplines in the Christian faith, and he talks about the discipline of service, and he says this, he says, self-righteous service comes through human effort. True service comes from a relationship with the divine one deep inside. Self-righteous service is impressed with the big deal, or maybe we could insert the word bonus there, I love that. He says, true service finds it's almost impossible to distinguish the small from the large service. Self-righteous service requires external rewards. True service rests content in hiddenness. Self-righteous service is highly concerned about results. True service is free of the need to calculate results. Self-righteous service picks and chooses whom to serve, True service is indiscriminate in its ministry. Self-righteous service is affected by moods and whims. True, true service ministers simply and faithfully are there because there's a need. Self-righteous service is temporary. True service is a lifestyle. Self-righteous service is without sensitivity. It insists on meeting the need even when, uh, when to do so would be destructive. True service can withhold the service as freely as perform it. Self-righteous service fractures community. True service, on the other hand, builds community. And I think that we can be community builders if we truly understand why we do what we do as Christ followers. Today we're going to look at Acts chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 13. And it's something that happened in the very early formation of the church that was critical. And I think at the time, even those who were involved in this this act of service didn't realize the gravity of what they were doing and what would happen. And so this week, we're going to be taking a look at what happened and the motive behind it and the motive behind all of our service. Next week, we're going to be looking and focusing on the results of the service, what happened with these young Christians, these new Christians. Let's take a look at Acts 3, 1 through 13. This morning. Now, Peter and John were going up into the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily. I want you to hear that. They laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And walk, and he took him by the right hand, and he raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood, and he began to walk, and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and recognized him as the one who sat in the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what? Had happened to him, while he clung to Peter and John, all the people utterly astounded ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. This is part of the temple, and when Peter saw it, he addressed the people and he said, "This men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we've made him walk? The God of Abraham." the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, the God of our forefathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he decided to release them. And Peter goes on to preach this message to them. And he kind of describes the gospel message at the same time he kind of slaps them on the hand for giving him up, giving Jesus up. And it's an interesting passage because what we see here is a man who is probably 40 years old. And at least 40 years old, and for 40 years he would come to the temple and he would ask for alms. He would ask for a handout. He would ask for money, presumably because he had no way to make money on his own, obviously, and he probably had no family who would care for him. And so he would ask for money, and so the first people that he sees in this story on this day are these two new Christians. These two men, they weren't new Christians, but they were part of the new church, They were part of this group of people who had previously called themselves followers of the way. They were followers of Jesus. They were people who believed in Jesus Christ as their Savior. And they began to preach Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world. And it was this man who reached out to them to ask for something, for some money or something to help. And I love the fact that Peter and John take the time to talk to this man. Because how many times have I, how many times have we had someone like this man who was lame approach us or look at us or make a move in our direction? And I admit, I'm, I'm the chief of sinners here. We stand back and we walk away. We remove ourselves, maybe for fear of shame or fear of um, being hurt or fear of maybe perhaps we think they might you know, be trying to take something from us which may sometimes be the case. We often walk away, and I love the fact that Peter and John stopped there for a moment, and they took the time to engage with this one who probably didn't have too many people engage with him. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been there all of his life. William Booth, his uh, founder of um, the uh, Uh, Salvation Army. Who you saw a little spoof uh, about the bell years ago? He was hold. There was a Salvation Army was holding an international convention. Of course, this was many, many years ago, back in the 1900s, early 1900s, and their founder William Booth could not couldn't attend because he was getting older and he had a physical weakness, and so he cabled back in the day when you cabled. He cabled the convention message, his message to the convention, and it contained one. Word, the word was others, others, others. See, Peter and John here in this case took the time, even in the busyness of their schedule, even in this time when God's Holy Spirit is being poured out on people, even in this time when the church is growing, they stop to focus on people. And I wonder why they did it. I wonder why they serve. I wonder why we serve You know, serving others out of obligation is a good thing, isn't it? Like serving others because we feel like we have to as humans or as Christians or as just people who are made up of part of a society, it's good. Serving others because of conviction, God convicting us, is better. But I want you to hear something today, and this is for those of you who are here, who are Christians, you're Christ followers, you're serious about your faith. Serving others for the sake of sharing the message of Jesus is best. You see, inherent in who we are as Christ followers, we have great reason to serve those around us. Because we have something that doesn't just help them or cure them or heal them or feed them or clothe them physically, but we have something that does so much more than that we have the answer to what life beyond this life is going to be like. We have the answer, and we have the solution to the problem of hell itself. And that is as God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross to rise again three days later so that if we put our faith and our trust in him, we can have the hope of heaven. We don't just have an answer for physical needs. We also have an answer for the spiritual needs of life. And contained in this passage, I think, are four things that help us as Christ followers to connect the dots on, on why we should serve. You know, so we connect the dots of service to the bigger picture of, of really the gospel message. I think when we do thing, four things that these men did here, first and foremost, they saw and they noticed and they looked at the suffering. Around them. In Acts 3.3 3 right there, seeing Peter and John about to go in the temple, he asked to receive alms. And then we see it also in verse 4 that Peter directed his gaze at him, at this man who was lame. I think probably the worst place that I've ever been in my life was a place called Nador in Morocco. And if you've ever been to Morocco in some of the big cities, there are slums, probably not too dissimilar to um, Nairobi, Kenya, where we have uh, uh, No Hungry Children that helps feed children in the slums, in the Kibera slums there in Nairobi. And there in Morocco, we took a trip from Malia, which is a Spanish province of Morocco, into Morocco, into Nador. And I remember driving in the taxi cab, and I remember um, the very rough taxi cab, very, 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 very fast, very extremely, extraordinarily fast taxi cab ride that we had. If you've ever been in a foreign country and been in a cab, you know what I'm talking about. And I remember when we pulled in uh, to this really, really crowded down, downtown part of Nador, and I particularly remember when the cabby parked in between two cars, like an inch or two inches away from the cars to the right and the left of us. And he got out and left us. And I really thought, well, this is it. It's been a great, you know, 30 years. I think I was about 30 years old at that time. It's been a great 30 years, but this is it. I mean, I've seen a lot of movies where they were in Beirut, Lebanon, and this is it. We're done right here. And uh, he was going out to evidently pay the next taxi cab driver because that's as far as he would take us. So anyway, so we had given him money, and he handed off money to him, and so who knows what was going on there. But anyway, but we walked into the slums, and we went um, downtown, and we walked into this market, the sook there in Nador, and I remember seeing people who were lame, and they were weak, and they were sick, and they were hurting and they were helpless. And it was one of the very most difficult things. And at 30 years old, 29 or 30 years old, I remember having a hard time even seeing it. It's hard to see suffering, isn't it? It's very difficult for us to look at suffering. But I got to tell you, as Christ follower if we don't see the suffering around us, if we don't see people the way that Jesus saw them, then we're really not gonna be in a position to serve people the way that Jesus served them. You know, if we don't look, if we don't pay attention, if we don't keep our eyes open, we're not gonna be able to notice the suffering around us. We're not gonna be able to see the needs that are in our communities. And if we wanna be Jesus to our community, if we wanna be Jesus to those around us, We've got to open our eyes and we've got to see who's around us. We connect the dots of service to the bigger picture of the gospel message. First and foremost, when we see those suffering around us. But secondly, when we serve in the name of Jesus. I love this in verse 6. Peter says this. He says, sir, I have no silver or gold. But he says this, what I do have, I give to you. And then what does he say? Say that next phrase with me. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He's bold. He uses the name of Jesus, which is a whole other message, a whole other sermon in and of itself, and the power that is in the name of Jesus. He used the name of Jesus, listen, before he even served. He says In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And you got to understand, just a few uh, chapters before we see the Holy Spirit come on these men and these women who were made up the first church, and it says that the Holy Spirit filled them with power to do miraculous things, and God gave them the ability to continue the ministry of miracles, and we see that here. But essentially what Peter was doing and what John was doing is he was serving them. They were serving them through the gift of miracles. And he says, I have no silver or gold, but what I do is I do in the name of Jesus Christ. Listen, Christ follower, I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this. If you don't hear anything else today, I want you to hear this. Whether you realize it or not, whether you know it or not, whether you want to recognize it or not, whether you ignore it or not, whether you accept it or not, if you're a Christ follower and you're serving and you want to serve, you represent Jesus. You represent Jesus. In your life, students in your school, in your neighborhoods, in those plantations behind those gates and the big big walls, in the neighborhoods, when we go on mission to Belize or Nairobi or wherever you go to serve people, but we represent Jesus Christ wherever we go. And whether or not we want to realize it or whether or not we recognize it, people see us, and if they know us to any degree or another, if they know that we're Christ followers, if they know we're Christians, they are going to connect the dots that we are people who represent Jesus Christ, and so if we 're going to serve, we ought to do it in the name of jesus Christ colossians three seventeen uh, Acts was written by Luke. Colossians was written by the Apostle Paul, who we're going to get to later in this series. In verse 17 of chapter 3 in Colossians, he says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so my question to you today is how well do you represent Jesus Christ? Because whether you realize it or not, you do represent Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian. And we have the opportunity to do that well but we have the opportunity to make his name not look so good in our community. We connect the dots of service to the bigger picture of the gospel message when we see the suffering around us, when we serve in the name of Jesus. We do it when we shift any glory that comes our way to God. I love the picture that we just saw, the video that we just saw, and, and, and it's hilarious. Um, but we, we probably do that more in subtle ways, Um, don't we? We don't quite do it like she did it, but we do it in subtle ways, don't we? We do it when, um, you know, when we kind of pat ourselves on the back after we're done doing a service project. We do it when maybe we share with, you know, someone who's another Christian, uh, what a great deed we did that day. Um, But what Paul and what John do here is that they shift any glory that comes their way. They shift the glory back to God. Look at verse 12. When Peter saw this, and what it's referring to as it or this right here, is is they were looking at these new Christ followers, these, these men who were Christians. They were looking at them in amazement. They had just performed a miracle. There had only been one miracle worker, and that was Jesus. And so these men are continuing the tradition. And so everyone's amazed at them and not God. And when Peter saw it, he shifted the glory. He says, men of Israel... Why do you wonder at this? Why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? And then he presents the gospel. And they would have understood in that little message there that this was not the work of Peter and John. This was the work of God working through them, God's Holy Spirit working through them. And they shifted the glory back to him. Psalm 115 verse 1 says, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name. Give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. We connect the dots of the bigger picture of service in the gospel message when we shift any glory that comes our way back to God. And then finally, we connect the dots of service of the bigger picture of the gospel message when we leverage serving others in order to share the message of Jesus. Now, I, don't e- I wrote that phrase, and I don't even like that phrase. Do you? It doesn't sound right, does it? Admittedly, it sounds like there's some kind of hook. It sounds like there's some kind of string attached, but I want you to get the bigger picture of this. Verse 12 and 13. When Peter saw it, he addressed him. We just read that verse. Let's go down to verse 13. And then what he does is he walks through in a language that they would understand their heritage, these Jewish people who are amazed at this miracle. He says, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, who you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. And in this instance, and we'll see next week what happens because of this, but in this moment, what Peter does is he connects it to the bigger picture of the gospel. And I got to tell you, Christ follower, there is absolutely no shame in serving other people in order to share the gospel message with them. Because their eternity in heaven or hell hangs in the balance. Their eternity in darkness versus light hangs in the balance. Their eternity... With death and life hangs in the balance. And it may seem self-serving. It may sound a little bit offensive. But when we serve, we have the opportunity then to connect it back to the gospel message itself. To the very reason why we're serving in the first place. We've got two serve days coming up. We've got um, our serve day coming up with, uh, with Antioch Christian Education Center, Antioch Education Center. I want to encourage you to be a part of that. It's coming up, um, and it's uh, going to be a time where we as a church go out and help a great ministry. We're going to do some landscaping, it's going to be great. We've got Kairos coming up. Uh, there's a group of, of men and women in our church who, um, a couple times a year, go to the prisons. At Allendale and Ridgeland, we're involved in both Allendale and Ridgeland. And uh, we help out in the prisons. And um, you can get more information right back here uh, just across from our guest service desk to find out how you can be involved in serving in the prisons with Kairos. But i got to tell you, all of these things that we do, if we don't have behind it, if we don't have at the end of it, at some point in time, Sharing the message of Jesus, all we're doing is meeting physical needs. And that may not be bad, but that's all we're doing. You see, when we serve people just to serve them, we're meeting only the physical needs of others. And I've told you before that I don't want Hilton Head Island Community Church to be a church that does service with strings attached. But what I, want, what I want you to understand is what I mean by that is, is that at the end of serving, we're not going to say, oh, by the way, we need a, a dollar for, for that barbecue sandwich that we just made for you. Or, yeah, you thought that hamburger was free. Guess what? It's not. Five dollars at the end of the line there. Or we don't want to, like, coerce them into having to come to something. But listen, we should not be ashamed when we're done serving or at some point in time after we've served. We should not at all be ashamed to share the message of Jesus because we have the greatest message in the world. We have the only message that brings hope for eternal life. Jesus met physical needs all the time, but he did it with purpose. He did it with intent. Why did he turn the water into wine? So that he could share a spiritual message. Why did he heal someone who was sick or raise someone who was dead to life? He did it. So that he would share a spiritual message, and if you're in here today and you're a Christ follower, you need to understand that you have a great message to share. And when we serve people with the intent of sharing the message of Jesus, we've got an opportunity to meet their most important need. We have a a, a friend who um, we were involved with up in New York, and we started about there were about 50 churches that started. Um, in in about a five-year period of time up in New York City, and we were one of those churches. Cynthia and I served and started the Gallery Church. I'm going to be up there speaking um, on a Sunday to them in uh, May, and uh, they're doing great. It's really neat to see what they're doing, but one of our fellow churches had a very famous, and I won't mention her name, a very famous actress visit their church, and she was invited by a Christian friend. And after the service was over, she was given coffee, and she was given, you know, the worship folder, and she, was, she sat, and she heard some great music, and she sang, and um, the message was good. But she commented to her friend, I came expecting to hear about Jesus, and I never heard the name of Jesus Listen, I want you to know if you're a Christ follower in here, it's not a trick, it's not a switch, it's not a hook to serve people with the intent of sharing the best news ever with them. We should not be embarrassed, we should not feel ashamed. That's what Paul and John did, and they turned the world upside down, and so can we. Would you pray with me this morning? Before we pray, I want you to just, as you close your eyes and bow your head this morning, I want you to think about how you came to Jesus. I want you to think about that moment in time, whether it was a week ago, or whether it was months ago, or whether it was decades ago. I want you to think about how you came to faith in Jesus. And I want you to think for a moment about the person or people who were responsible. Maybe it was a mom. Maybe it was a grandmother, father, family member. That's who it was for me. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was a co-worker. Maybe it was a fellow student, a friend in high school or college. Or maybe um, it was someone who showed up after a hurricane or a flood or a fire from a church and they served you and they helped clean up your house or your yard. And maybe then they invited you to church and at some point in time you made the decision to become a Christ follower. You See, at some point in time, those people or that person chose to connect the dots. They served you in some way, but they did it with purpose. They did it with intent. And at some point in time, either they shared or they put you or they invited you into an opportunity where they knew that you would hear the message of Jesus, the life-giving, grace-filled, merciful, driven by love message of a God who loved us so much that He gave His only Son to die on the cross, rise again three days later so that we can have eternal life. Man, that's the greatest message ever. And the reason I want you to think about this, that this morning as we pray is I want you to think about the fact that at some point in time, someone connected the dots for you. And because of that, your eternity is certain in heaven with God when you die. You see, they moved at some point in time from meeting just a physical need to meeting a spiritual need. They were bold enough and had courage enough and were faithful enough and understood the intent and the purpose of the message of God enough to do that in your life. And so if it was good enough for you, why shouldn't it then be good enough for your friend or your friends or your family member or your fellow students or your co-workers? or the people that you interact with in your neighborhood or your community. God, I pray in the strong name of Jesus that you would begin this passion and this fire deep within us because someone helped lead us to you. Someone connected the dots of serving in our lives and turned the world upside down for us. And Father God, I pray that you would place that burning passion that red hat of passion in us, your people of Hilton Head Island, to serve with purpose. Yes, God, there's a time and a place to have a random act of kindness and service, but God, we're different. We have the best message ever. And so, God, I pray that you would raise up a bunch of people who, as we're handing out water bottles, or as we're handing out hot dogs and hamburgers, or as we're, um, God, uh, using a chainsaw to help clean up a yard, or a rake. God, if we just take a meal to someone across the street, God, I pray that you would give us the opportunity and the courage to connect the dots in their life at some point in time that we would mention. The reason that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we're going to be in heaven is because of you, Jesus. It's because of you. God, we thank you so much for your son. God, I pray for anyone in here, in the sound of my voice, who's never put their faith in you. God, I pray that today would be their day of salvation. In fact, if you're here today and you've never asked Jesus, to be your Savior. I I can't leave this stage without giving you the opportunity to do that right now. Um, Maybe something just clicked today. Um, I want to invite you to to make Jesus your Savior today, to invite Him to be your Savior, to put your trust in Him for eternity. And you can do that by just praying a short prayer. I'm going to pray it out loud. You can pray it silently to God. It's a prayer that goes something like this. God, thanks so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. And I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that there's a lot that keeps me from you. But right now, God, I put my trust and I choose to believe in you, Jesus. If you pray that short prayer along with me, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand up high, boldly, just so I can pray for you. I won't embarrass you. Just raise your hand if you prayed that prayer. Let me just pray for you. Awesome. Awesome. Anyone else? In here. Awesome. God, I pray for those. Awesome. God, I pray for those who have their hands raised. God, I pray that you would help root them in your word. God, that you would help them to get connected in a church. God, in a group with a group of people. Um, God, who can help them grow in their newfound faith journey. God, we just love you so much, and we just give you these next few moments. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.